So let's enter in a time of prayer. Um, we have fires going on all over the state. We have a fire that's pressing in around the Gandara's home right now. Um, we can just lift them up and we serve a God who is in charge of the wind, amen? He's in charge of the waves, the sea. He's a God of the hills and the valleys. So let's just pray and agree together that, that this fire would just lay down. Um, the Bible tells us that no sickness, disease, no harm can touch our dwelling and will touch our dwelling. So let's just lift that up and, and pray in faith. And as we're doing that, let's lift up um, the church of Afghanistan. Um, the people of Afghanistan, um, they, they need supernatural um, intercession. And we, we serve a God who's able to do that. To, he's calling some of them to leave. He's calling some of them to stay and to stand. So we just pray for those he's calling to stay and stand to be bold, to, to, to let their light so shine in that dark place. And we're going to pray and agree that, that God knows what he's doing. We saw in, in the early church through the book of Acts um, the persecution that happened, and it spread the gospel all over the area. So what the enemy is trying to do, that, that, and I, we just declare what the enemy is meant for evil, God will use it for good, amen? That as those people are displaced, as people go out into the Middle East from that country, that one of the strongest churches on the planet is going to spread all over the world. Amen? Like he's done before. So let's, let's just spend some time in prayer as you guys just keep playing softly. So Lord, we just stand with you. God, we are, we are with you. You said where two or three are gathered, that you are in our midst. And Lord, that we could touch anything and it shall be done. So Lord, we just reach out again, Lord, as we've been lifting up the Gandara, um, the family, Lord, their home, their, their God, we know it's, it's temporary, but Lord, it is, it is their dwelling and their home. And Lord, you said that you will protect it. So, God, we just stand in agreement with that. We just declare, you're, Jesus, you're king. Jesus is king. You're over, and you have control over the wind, over fire, over all the elements. Um, Lord, we thank you, Lord. You can, you can cause that fire to lay down. Lord, even though it's burning around and other houses are burning, God, we just ask, God, that you would spare their home. Lord, supernaturally, God, that you would just cause that fire to lay down and obey at the name of Jesus. And we just thank you for that, God. We lift up. Um, brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, who are suffering persecution. Lord, we've been doing this for some time. Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters. Lord, specifically right now, um, the church that's in Afghanistan. Lord, the, the Taliban is going through and hunting down Christians. They're, they're uh, persecuting Christians. They're looking and taking phones, confiscating them. If they have Bible apps on them, they're murdering those people. Lord, we just ask that, God, you would give um, their eyes of understanding would be enlightened. God, I pray, Lord, that that um, they would, at the Taliban, Lord, when they lay down at night to go to sleep, that they would have visions of you. Lord, that you would visit them. Lord, that, that you would visit them. They would see your glory, God, and they would be radically changed. Lord, that, that a revival would happen amongst those persecutors. God, that you took Saul, a persecutor of the church, and you knocked him off his donkey, and you blinded his eyes. God, and he said, who art thou, Lord? So, God, I ask that you would do that again. Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. God, I pray, Lord, that the, the persecuted church in Afghanistan would rise in boldness and in power. And, Lord, that it would be a testimony to the rest of the world. I pray that it would be a testimony to us. Lord, to the American church who has never had to face those type of things. Lord, we're bowing at little things. God, I pray, Lord, there, there would be a, a resounding no in the spirit. That we would not fall for the plans of the enemy. That we would not fall, Lord, for, for the deception of the enemy. That we would rise and stand. And we would stand in our country, in our nation. Lord, we thank you for your hand of power. Your hand of victory. Lord, your banner that waves over us, that is love. And that, that waves over them. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, that you're a powerful king. And you're a good God. 
Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that the gospel, Lord, would spread over this continent like never before. Lord, that every plan that the enemy is trying to do would backfire. Lord, in a very powerful way, God, in your gospel and the kingdom of God would go forth in mighty power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 So we sing highest praises. Amen. We've been going through Revelation. We're studying um, the fifth chapter. This is kind of a part two. Worthy is the Lamb. Um, highest praises. We're seeing where the elders are bringing their bowls of incense, their prayers before the Lord. Um, they're bringing their instruments. The harps, they're playing before the Lord, worshiping God, and prophesying before the Lord. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And So, in chapter 5, verse 8, thank you, worship team, it says, Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, which is a modern guitar, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, here's your highest praises, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power. Be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Amen. So we recapped last week some of uh, Revelation 1 on and then got into the incense and the 24 elders who were bringing those bowls of prayer before the Lord. And we're going into now, I want to look at, as the incense, this would be the second point of the message, as the incense connects the priest's office, so the harp connects with the prophets. You say, Pastor Steve, how do you see that? Well, as we've been seeing, the book of Revelation, if you're going to understand it and really um, have, I believe, a very clear picture of what's being said, you're going to have to know the Old Testament. And you're going to have to read through the Old Testament and understand. So what's the connection with the harps? Well, if we go all the way back to 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 5 and 6, you see something interesting. This is, this is in a time period when Saul was, um, Israel, saying, we want a king like all the other nations. Really what they were saying is, we're rejecting you, God. We, we don't want you to be our king. We want a man to be our king. And we want Saul. So God says, okay, 
And they threw Saul because Saul was head and shoulders above all the rest. He looked pretty strong. He, he seemed to have, you know, some pretty good characteristics there. So, so God says, okay. And he tells um, Samuel the prophet to go and, and prepare Saul and anoint him. So, so as this is, is happening, if you read in the 10th chapter of Samuel, um, verses 5 through 6, I just want you to see this. It says, afterward, you will come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it shall be as soon as you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harps, tambourine, flute, and lyre in front of them. And they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be changed into a different man. Now this is very similar to what we see in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes in a rushing mighty wind. And tongues of fire become and fall down on top of the um, disciples. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is a very similar encounter, but it only happened in the Old Testament in prophets, kings, and priests. So after this, the, the song would go about and people would go, is Saul one of the prophets now? You'll see as you read on, they're like, they're tripping out going, now Saul hasn't been a prophet. What the heck's going on? Now he's prophesying with the prophets. Is he a prophet now? Well, the Spirit of the Lord come, comes upon him in power. And now Saul begins to prophesy. But what I want you to see is what is going before that. These prophets are singing. They're playing instruments, the tambourine, the lyre, the guitars. And then they were prophesying. There's a connection there to those, the instrumentation. And you'll see a connection when we participate in worship. That the, if, if they're Holy Spirit led, those instruments can be used and, and the musicians being used and the singers being used to prophesy for God and before the Lord. For us, Amen. And it's oftentimes that as that's happening, you're going to feel that spirit of prophecy. You'll receive words from the Lord. You'll see pictures. You'll see visions. You'll, you'll encounter that power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this is nothing new. This is, this is just a role that you see, just like the, the priestly role in the Old Testament. They would fill up those bowls of incense, which were the prayers that went before the saints. So I want you to see this connection. Also in 1 Chronicles. Also where we saw, and I think it was in chapter 24, that where you saw David um, in his old age, he's getting ready to pass on and, and turn over the kingdom to, to his son, that, that you see him start to lay out, he, he's laying out an order of the priests. We saw that priestly order, the 24 courses. He goes on after that in chapter 25, and he's laying out, listen to what he says, More, moreover, David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service some of the sons of Asaph, Haman, and Judathan who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals. Now check this out. David and the commanders of the army set apart for the service. Some of the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Judithan, easy for me to say, who were, the, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals. You think that might be important? If the king and the commander of the army is setting people apart that you're going to prophesy, you're going to play instruments, you're going to prophesy before us, before this army. Look at what it goes on to say. It says, And the number of those who performed this service were two of the sons of Asaph, Zachar, Joseph, Nathanian, and Asherah, the sons of Asaph, were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied under the direction of the king. Of Juduthan, the sons of Juduthan, Gedela, Ziri, Jeshion, Shemel, Hashabiah, and if you know Hebrew a lot better than I do, then you can correct me later. Matenaha, six in all, under direction of their father, Jaduthan, 
with the harp who prophesied and giving thanks and praising the Lord. Of Heman, the sons of Heman, Bukiah, Mat- Matani, Uzal, Shabil, and Jeremoth, Hanai, Hanael, Eliath, Gideati, and Romante Izar. If you don't know how to speak in tongues, just read this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a joke. And Mahasiah, all these were the sons of Heman, the king's seer, to exalt him according to the words of God. For God gave 14 sons of the three daughters to Heman. All of these were under the direction of their father to sing in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres for the service of the house of God. Asaph, Judathan, Heman were under the direction of the king. Their number who were trained in singing to the Lord with their relatives, all who were skillful, was 288. Now, why did we just go through all that? I want you to see the importance of that, and this was God's plan. This was God's plan, and it's still God's plan. And as we see in the book of Revelation, you see the the 24 elders that are bringing those bowls of incense of prayer, like that priest would do. They're also, they have liars. And what are they doing? They're worshiping and prophesying before the Lord. So if the 24 elders are us, you see any connection? How many of you prayed this last week? I did this a handful of times, and I pictured myself of filling bowls, golden bowls of my prayers, and just pouring them out before the Lord. And realizing that that smell, that incense, was very, very pleasing to the Lord. And he took great pleasure in that. How many of you did that this week? I hope you did. I hope you just didn't hear me preach it on Sunday, and we're like, yeah, that's kind of cool. So it looked like most of you all just thought it was kind of cool. Well, maybe this week... You might actually prepare yourself and and see your prayers as a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord and bring your prayers in such a way and realize that he's receiving glory and you're doing something that you were created to do as a king and a priest. Amen? Amen. Also, God has created us and called us to prophesy before the Lord. Sing and worship before the Lord. It should be a natural thing that occurs in us, amen? Because we're going to be doing that in the throne room of heaven. Amen? That's why I wanted to take the Old Testament and show you where this lays. Also in Psalm 49, verse 4, David wrote, I listen carefully to many proverbs and solve riddles with inspiration from a harp. Isn't that something? He's saying, I I tune my ear to Proverbs. I listen to Proverbs, but I solve riddles with inspiration from the harp. Wow. So that sounds like there's a a spirit of prophecy that is moving on David as he's playing the harp, as he's worshiping the Lord, and mysteries, things that he's not understanding, the Holy Spirit is downloading to him as he's doing that. Anyone else ever have that encounter? Where you're listening, maybe you're not, maybe you don't know how to play a guitar or a piano, but I will guarantee the musicians, as they're worshiping the Lord and playing, the Holy Spirit's giving them insights and downloads of things. That's what happened with David. David would be out and in, in watching the sheep playing the harp, and the Lord was listening to him and speaking to him and talking to him. And when it came time to bring the next king, they said, Well, you chose one, but I'm gonna choose one. I'm gonna choose that one that was sitting out there that was prophesying before me, that was playing the harp, that was ministering. 
he had such a strong anointing in that area that when Saul was in his delusion and, and really being um, possessed and oppressed by demonic influence, he would call David in to minister to him on the harp and the spirits would leave. Some of you are picking up on where I'm going. We have that ability as a kingly priest. Amen? Sometimes we just need to get before the Lord and worship the Lord and prophesy. What's prophesying? Speaking forth for the Lord. Sometimes it's reading his word and speaking his word and declaring it in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes it's just saying, in the name of Jesus, I declare this will not touch my home. This sickness, this disease, this pestilence, whatever's going on, in Jesus' name, I declare, and I thank you, God, that, it, that you are greater than that. I thank you, God, that you've given me power. You've given me a sound mind. You've given me a love and a knowledge of you that is greater than whatever's going on out there. And I see a different thing, even though these natural eyes see something. I'm going to get out of the natural, and I'm going to step into the spirit, and I'm going to function as a kingly priest. Hello. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to get out of the natural. I'm going to walk by faith, not by what these natural eyes see. I'm going to sing a new song unto the Lord, a song of victory, a song of deliverance. Even though in the natural, what I'm seeing is the opposite of that. That is not greater than this reality, so I'm going to step into the spiritual realm where there is love, power, and a sound mind where there is powerful weapons that are stronger than any earthly thing. Amen? That is part of our role. And that's what you're seeing exhibited in the throne room. We need to, it's, that's why I believe it's super important to know who are the 24 elders are. What are they doing? They're doing something that's always been done. And it's so sad to me that a lot of the churches today are not stepping out and walking. They may, in theology, believe in the gifts, but they don't practice them. And most of the churches don't allow the gifts in the church, which is so bizarre because they're for the church. And what, when do you think we, should, we would need these if there's ever a time? Amen? Maybe as king, kingdom priests, if we understand that, we would truly intercede, take our prayers before the Lord. We would worship and put on worship music and, and prophesy before the Lord because it seems to be pretty important to him. Maybe when you're not, you're challenged with, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I can't read this. I, I don't know what the signs of the times are. I don't know what my next step should be. David said, and I solve riddles with inspiration from a harp. So as the elders hold up their prayers and prophetic harps together before the lamb, as he takes the scroll... It's significant because it's now that he may remember and fulfill what all his holy prophets have spoken and sung as well as his saints have prayed. Come on. It's in that moment. All those prophetic words, not false prophetic words, not false prophets, but what the prophets have been hearing and speaking that God has been inspiring and those prayers that have been inspired by God. Those are coming before him, and he is smelling that aroma of prayer, and he's hearing those prophetic words are coming before him, and he's beginning to open the seals and say, yes, I'm fulfilling all of these. Come on. This is a pretty important time. 
Both of these combine to ensure that this is the summit and this is the harmony of the highest of desire and prayer. Inspired prophecies and heavenly songs to have been uttered while he has taken the scroll. Prophetic songs. Songs that are just birthed. How many of you, and I would challenge you to do this, even when we're singing a song that we all know, sometimes there's times where it's just instrumental. Just sing a new song. Prophetically sing. You don't even have to sing what we would say on key to sing prophetically. There's hope. If your gift isn't to just sing, maybe you're a prophetic singer. We don't understand it. Man, what key is that? I don't know, but I'm just prophetically singing. Well, praise God. There's a time for that. I seem to be more excited. (laughs) The next point is as we go through this, you see that there's people of every tribe and tongue and nation. They're redeemed. I love how... (laughs) The Lord gives us to John. He make, I, I, I'm sure God's wanted us to get a point when he says people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So like people, of, I don't care what your language is. I don't care what tribe you're part of, what nation. There's people coming out of all of that that are around the throne. They are the redeemed. That's very significant. God is no respecter of person. God is, is pulling out people from every tribe, of every voice, of it doesn't matter. They're a part of the redeemed, and they are the ones who are bringing the prayers before him. They are worshiping before him, and that is who we're going to be in heaven with. So if you can't get along now, you can't figure it out now, you're really going to have a problem there. And more than likely, you probably won't be there. There's not going to be any arguing about it. You're not going to go to God and tell him, like, he messed up. You with me? So God wants all people to belong to him. Is that, is that true? Here's the problem. They must accept his gift and ask to be redeemed. Has God provided for all people? For God so loved the world that he gave his only... The world. Now, does that mean they're all saved? Is the, is the price provided? Yes. Yes. But what do they have to do? Accept it, receive it, and ask for it. Remember when I taught you about Ruth? What did she have to do? She had to go to the Redeemer, uncover that blanket, lay down. That was the sign asking to be redeemed. Will you redeem me? Amen? In order to do that, you have to believe that that's the Redeemer. That he has sufficient funds to redeem. Amen? So he's made all of these people, all of these people from all these different tongues, nations, a kingdom and priests, which, listen, this has always been God's design, and it was God's desire for the, for the nation Israel. And we're going to hopefully clear up again, the church isn't replacing Israel. There is a nation of people, an actual nation of people that God says, I want you, you are my kingdom priests. But what did they do? They didn't believe. They began walking in disobedience. So then God says, I'm going to make a spiritual nation. There's a natural one, and there's a spiritual one. So he makes a spiritual nation from people of every tribe and tongue 
But what is their common denominator? They believe. They receive and they believe. They go, you are the Redeemer. You are the Son of God. And they are a spiritual nation. They don't replace the physical nation. In Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it says this, Now then, he's speaking to Israel, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice. What, what was the key there? Obey my voice and keep my covenant. They, did they have a covenant? Yes. Then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Isn't that something? Now God accomplishes this and he does this again with the church. The saints. Now you guys should be asking a question. Well, who's the saints? Somebody do that. That's a great question. The saints are the dedicated believers, the Bible says, who love his appearing. Who love his appearing. That's why it's so bizarre to me. There's so many people are freaked out about his appearing. I love his appearing. That's a good word. That's good news. Yay. He's coming. He says, look up when you see your redemption draweth nigh. Woo. That's why I'm not distressed. Like I, I feel for my brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, but I'm not distressed. God knows what he's doing. What the enemy's doing, God's going, okay, watch this. The enemy's, the saints playing checkers and God's playing chess. I don't know if you know much about chess, but you play chess like five and six moves ahead. Like he, Satan, he's playing checkers and God's like, go ahead and move that. Like any of your option, check, check, check. So God, what the enemy's doing, he's going to spread the gospel. He's going to force one of the most radically powered, empowered churches all over the Middle East. You watch. Now CNN ain't going to tell you that, neither's Fox. I don't, even, I don't even need to see it on the news. I've seen God do it over and over and over again. Amen? Is God good? Does, it, does he not see, teach us that? All things work together for the good of who? Those who love him and are what? Called according to his purpose. The saints are praying for the coming of the kingdom when they shall reign on the earth. Wow. They're praying for the coming of the kingdom. They're looking forward to that. 2 Timothy 4.8 tells us, In the future... There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness. This is Paul speaking, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me when? On that day. There's that day again. On that day. And not only to me, but also to who? All who have loved his appearing. Listen, if you're not loving his appearing, you better figure some stuff out. To all who loved his appearing. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 12. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. Um, don't ask me why. I just felt like I should read it out of this. Um, 
If you don't like it, then read it out of whatever's in your hand, and we will be totally fine. Amen? Amen. If not, you can have it on the Passion up on the screen or on your phone. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm just going to read the Might as well. We've got a couple verses here ahead. Don't worry about getting them up there. There's only like three before. It says, so abandon, chapter 2. So abandon every form of evil. He's speaking to us. Every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy, and slander. In the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. Wow. And the same, how many remember your, your nursing kids? How many remember that cry and that scream for milk? How many, how many of us are crying and screaming for God's word? Some are. Some are like waking up and going like, man, I see more important how important it is now. I need God's word. And it says the milk. Which do we want to mature past milk? Yes, we should get to meat. But guess what? We should always want the milk. So don't get so, so like high and mighty that you think like, oh, well, I'm above that teaching. Like I knew that way back. Well, if you're in that mindset, you might want to go back and reread it. You might have missed something. Amen? It says the milk will cause you to grow into maturity. So is it, is it natural to mature? Yes. It's not normal if we don't mature. That's not my word. That's the word of God. Until we're fully nourished and strong for life, especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of the Lord Jehovah and have experienced his kindness. Okay, here's my main text. All the other was free. So keep coming to him. Keep coming to him who is the living stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Isn't that something? Rejected by men. So they were building it, and that stone is like the cornerstone, the capstone, the center. Everything is built around it. So it had to be just right. And all these men are checking out Jesus. They're taking Jesus, and they're going, nope, tossing it to the trash heap. Be like a crooked 2 by 12 right? Especially today, like your prices of that, no thank you. I want a straight one. I want a super straight one. Well, they're not seeing Jesus that way. They're going like, that can't be trash. Don't want it. He goes on, he says, God is, but man, so discarded by men, but chosen by God and is priceless in God's sight. Come and be his living stones. Isn't that something? Who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. Leonard Ravenhill said this. The greatest miracle God can do today is to take an unholy man out of an unholy world and make him holy. <laughs> Boy, isn't that something? Ain't that the truth? What a miracle. God can take unholy men and women out of an unholy world and make them holy. That's why when people get saved to me, that's the greatest miracle there is. Like you can take someone who is dead in sin and now is alive in Christ. Like that's radical. That, that's great. That's... That's what's happening here. That living stone is also making us living stones. So we shouldn't get surprised when people go, nope. 
Isn't that what God said? Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They reject me, they're going to reject you. If you're not getting rejected, then you might not look like him. It's awfully quiet. That's not a tr- I mean, that's not just a feel-good message, is it? That doesn't sound like what you're going to get on most of the TBN program. God's called us so that we'd all be rich and everyone's going to like us and everything's going to be awesome. That's what I hear most of them. Everything is awesome. It just wasn't that way with Jesus. If my life's not, mod- if I'm supposed to model him and he had tribulation and struggle and trouble and rejection and people turning on him and my life looks a lot different than that, then I must not be following him. Am I making this up? Does that sound like a different message today than what you hear most of the time? Very different. So what does that make that? A different gospel or a false gospel? One that Jesus didn't encounter. If we don't see Jesus living that way and it didn't happen, he said, you know how many people turned away because he told them this truth? Rich people left him. They're like, no, thank you. I'm going to stay with my riches. Well, if he was rich and everything was about being rich, they would have followed him. But they went, uh, no. You know what? Actually, I got to bury my father. And Jesus was like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry that your dad passed away. No, is that what he did? He said, let the dead bury their dead. Let the spiritually dead go bury the physically dead. Are you alive? Then follow me. We forget about that, Jesus. He says, For now, come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. Wow. For now, you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. For it says in scripture, look, I lay a cornerstone in Zion, a chosen and priceless stone, and whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. Any of you that believe in him disappointed? That'd be a good spot for, no, we are not. As believers, as who? As believers, you know his great worth. Is that not the truth? Indeed, his preciousness is imparted to you. Now circle this if you have your Bible open. But for those who do not believe, here's the key of the next few verses. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected and discarded has now become the cornerstone and a stone that makes them, who's them? Those who do not believe, that makes them stumble and a rock to trip over. Oh, my Lord, is that not the truth? And guess what? He's not going to, that sidewalk is raised. That root of Jesse has grown under the sidewalk, and it has lifted that sidewalk up. Anyone ever see that? And that sidewalk has got about a four-inch lip on it now because that root is alive. And it lifted that concrete up. And everyone who doesn't believe, every single time they walk by, is going to go, boom. Every time you reject them, boom. says, they keep stumbling over the message. They, who? Those who don't believe. Why? Great. It says, because 
They refuse to believe. They refuse to believe it. Then it says, and they were destined to do it. Now, a lot of people in their theology will mistake this scripture and say that God destined them to disbelieve. No, that's not biblical. Why? Because God has not appointed anyone to suffer his wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. If God has not appointed anyone to suffer his wrath, then you can't interpret that scripture that way. So let's interpret it properly. What do you say? What was the key? But for those who do not believe, they keep stumbling over the message as they were destined to do. That's how I would read that. God has destined that if you are going to continually be disobedient, then you are, I've destined that you're going to continually stumble over it. You're going to continually stumble over the truth. Hopefully at some point that you're going to get tired of stumbling over the truth and go, what is this thing I keep stumbling over? God has not predestined you to be disobedient. He has predestined you to stumble over the truth if you're going to keep rejecting it. Does that fit theology a little bit better of all the scripture that God has not ordained or destined anyone to his wrath? If you, there's a lot of, the majority of the churches believe that God is destined, predestined, some to serve him and some to disobey him. And they'll use this verse and it's out of context. Read everything before. Who's he speaking to those who disbelieve? God has appointed the disobedient to stumble. Did you hear me? God has appointed the disobedient to stumble. But no one has to be in that category. No one has to be in the category of stumblers. All you have to do is believe. Not reject the cornerstone. If you reject that cornerstone, you're going to be tripping over that sucker the rest of your life. God has ordained that. And isn't that a merciful God that's going to not let you just walk over there and be like, everything's awesome. No, you need to see you're done messing up. And you're going to keep tripping over this until you recognize he's the king. And I need him. And he's the redeemer. Amen. We should move on. He goes on, he says, and those were just as, as they were destined to do because, but, but you are God's chosen treasure. Boy, is that a good word for you? You're God's chosen treasure. When was the last time you heard that? What if you woke up in the morning and you said, Lord, thank you that I'm your chosen treasure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you see me as your chosen treasure. God, I'm going I'm to receive that today. I'm going to walk as someone who's been your chosen treasure. Ooh. That just makes me feel good. Priests who are kings. There we are again. Kingdom priests. And then what's it say? A spiritual nation. A spiritual nation. A physical nation, 
No, a spiritual nation of people from every tribe and nation and tongue. Amen? Set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of what? Darkness. To experience what? His marvelous light. You know, the, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of, the kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent take it by force. And we a lot of times think that like we're supposed to like in our violence like get real aggressive and just go out there and we're going to fight and take the kingdom. It's just basically like what this is. He's, he's called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. Is God light? Have you ever seen what happens when light, what light does to darkness? It's forceful. The darkness cannot resist it. The darkness cannot comprehend it. The, car, the darkness cannot overpower it. Every single time you flip on a switch of light, the light explodes into the darkness. It's violent. It overpowers the darkness like crazy. Amen? That is just natural because that light is in us. It should just be natural that when we go into dark places, it's violently getting opposed. And, and guess what that darkness has to do? Surrender to the light. It doesn't have a choice. There's actually no such thing as darkness. It's just the absence of light. So it's a mirage. Some of you are looking at me like, you're crazy. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. Woohoo! He did this so that that's a great question. Why'd you do that? <laughs> so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. And that sounds almost like Acts. He says, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Almost sounds like God has a plan in this and a pattern. Broadcasters. Man, I tell you what, I'm watching some people that are just recently coming to the church um, saying, man, my eyes are being opened. I'm, I'm like more alive than I've ever been. And let me tell you, they are broadcasting it. They are broadcasting it. It's like when we saw the woman at the well. Remember, she's running around like, like we have some people like that right now, that their eyes have been opened. They have come out and they're like, I feel like I was asleep for 15 years and now I'm awake. And they are running around telling everyone they know. I wonder if we should be doing that. Maybe it's time to wake up. If you've ever been more excited about the gospel than you are right now, you need to do a self-check. Man, it's quiet. This is the most exciting time that we can be a believer. And if you're not more excited about God's goodness, his mercy, his, your opportunity to be light in this dark world, and that's not firing you up, because you don't, like, we are his precious stones. We, we are his special treasure, and he is going to pour himself out. That light is going to explode through us, and we're supposed to be broadcasting that. Hello! Wake up! I don't know. I'm like tripping out right now. Like, how, how is this not computing? 
For at one time you were not God's people. Is that fair? How were you then? How'd you feel then? If you feel pretty close to the same now, there's a problem. But now you are. At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet. But now you are drenched with it. Man, that ought to mess you up. He goes on, he says, my divinely loved friends. Woo, my divinely loved. Not loved by your spouse, not loved by a friend, not loved by your dog. Divinely loved. You were not mercy. You didn't understand mercy before. You were not saved. You didn't know nothing of him. But now you are, and now you do, and you're divinely loved. Since you are, what are we here? Resident aliens. Ooh. You know what? Some of us aren't resident aliens. Some of us are like, no, I'm not. I'm a citizen of the United States of America by God. Well, so am I, but I'm a resident alien. You know what resident aliens don't have? Rights. We're not supposed to. California, you got a bunch of them. I'm going to mess up. Look, I'm not messing you up. The word of God's messing me up. It should be messing you up. Since, since you're divinely loved and since you're resident aliens... And, and just so he didn't get us confused, he goes on and says, and foreigners or strangers in this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourself. That's a good word. Man, anytime my flesh is, is, in, is running in control and my mind and my natural mind is running and thinking, I need to divorce myself. You know what, self? I divorce you. I like that. I divorce you. I'm done with you. You're not, we are not in relationship anymore. That old man died, and there's a new man in me, and his ruler is the Holy Spirit. And he rules and reigns in me, and I divorce you, flesh. Amen. I'm breaking covenant with you. We don't have covenant anymore. Some of us would rather just run around and divorce another person than rather divorce ourselves. Sometimes the problem's you. Most of the time, the problem's me. I'll say it. And if you've been divorced, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying there's people that will run around and just be like, like a new pair of shoes. I'm tired of this. Maybe divorce your flesh. From what? The evil desires that wage war where? Within you. We must remember you've been divinely chosen. And showered with mercy. Divorce yourself. Another way to say that would be divorce yourself from the things that wage war against your soul. That wage war against what? Your soul. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Whatever's waging war against your mind, that where you'd have the mind of Christ and think right, your will... That's a pretty solid place there. Your will. When your will is not wanting to be submitted 
to God, and you're not wanting to surrender your will to what he says, you need to divorce yourself from that. Whatever would cause you to have your will in such a way that it's like, no, my will be done. Anyone else's will ever try that? Am I the only one? I know God's will is, but my will decides like, no, forget that. You don't have to listen to that. Houston, we got a problem. I need to divorce that. No, you don't get to talk. I'm going to crucify that. What happens when we allow that thing to keep going? Your emotions. Your emotions. You know how easy we can let our emotions run amok right now? We better learn how to, to divorce those things and go, you know what? I recognize my emotions are real, but they're not always true. They're not always accurate. If your emotions are saying something different than this, you need to divorce them. Hello? If your emotions are saying something different than this, then you need to divorce them. We're done. You don't get to talk to me anymore. Isn't that what you're like? I don't have to listen to you anymore. I can watch whatever I want with my remote. Whatever that looks like. He goes on and says, live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. What? As you mix? That's going to mess up some of those Pentecostal theologies. We got to be separate. We can't, we can't do anything with any of those sinful, dirty people. Because we're holy. I'm divorcing everybody, right? Well, that'd be easy to serve God that way. I'm just never going to be a part of anyone that's messed up. Well, you got a problem because you're messed up. He says, live honorable lives as you mix with the unbelievers, even though they accuse you of being evildoers. Isn't that the day we're in? The evildoers are accusing us of being evil. You've got to get this vaccine, because if you don't, I'm going to die. But I thought you got the vaccine. But you got the vaccine, right? Well, yes, but if you don't get it, I'm going to die. Huh? Then your vaccine must not work very good. I'm not, look, I'm not anti-vax, because I've had vaccinations. But if your vaccine only works if I get it, that ain't a very good vaccine. Maybe I should wait till one works. Or maybe if I've already had it, maybe God made me have a vaccine, like he's always done if you've had a sickness or a virus or the chicken pox or anything else, and you've had it and survived, you're usually pretty good. Is that, am I speaking crazy? They will accuse you of being an evildoer. Guess what? You better get used to this, church. You better get used. This is the world. You are going to be accused of being an evildoer for doing what God says is right. And don't get it. I'm not saying that God says if you get a vaccine, it ain't right. I'm not saying that. Talk to God. I'm not your Holy Spirit. 
but at least talk to him. Put it before him. He says, they'll accuse you of being evildoers, evildoers, for they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day he visits us. Now, here's something that they're not going to glorify God if you're a jerk when it comes to putting a mask on, if you've got to go in a store. Do I want to wear a mask? No. I don't like them. I feel like this is exhaust, and God wants my exhaust to not be rebreathed. The same reason I don't start my car and leave the garage door down and just enjoy the fresh air. <laughs> Trust the science. But I also believe in freedom. If a store owner wants to say, if you're going to come into my store, you're going to have to wear a mask, I respect that. I have an option. Put on a mask or don't go in the store. But you don't have a right to be a jerk. Preaching to myself. Is it, is it frustrating? Ooh, yes. Part of that will still there. I want to do what I want to do. Don't tell me what to do. Am I telling the truth, babe? <laughs> Surprised she didn't give amen. But the truth is, if I believe in liberty and freedom, if that store owner wants to say, I don't want purple-haired people coming in my store, then all the purple-haired people go, well, fine, we're not going to shop at your store. We're going to shop at this store. And you know what? That business is going to get a lot of business, and then there's probably be more businesses that let purple-haired people in their store. What we don't have a right to do is be jerks. God has not given you a spirit so you can be a jerk. And if all, every Sunday, all the Christians get out at a certain time and they go to restaurants and they're like, they're a bunch of jerks. We're probably not doing it right. Is that plain enough? Because we're supposed to be kingdom priests. Not just on Sunday or not just here. Like, whoop-de-doo if you're a kingdom priest here, right? I mean, what do you do when you go out and you mix with the ungodly? And they're going, you guys are the ones who are all screwed up. And you're like, oh, really? Look at you! We're just typing away on Facebook. How, what's that profit? How many people have come to the Lord because you, you argued with them on Facebook? I have not won anybody that way. No one has come to the Lord that way. I've tried. Nope. How many people have come to the Lord when they were jerks and you loved on them anyway? How many people, when they were wrong, you, you didn't hold it against them? You didn't, you didn't do like the, oh, well, you did that to me, I'm doing that to you. You just didn't do that. And you just responded like Christ. How many people do you think you've affected that way? I will promise you, I've affected more people that way than responding out of my flesh. That doesn't help anybody. It doesn't even help me. When has your flesh done good for you? No, that's why we're supposed to crucify it. Like, make it pay. Kill it. Don't give it the power. Don't, don't feed it. 
get out of the senses, what are senses? Sensual, right? That's what our senses, they're sensual. They produce for us, they feed our flesh. We don't have to live in that realm. When the Holy Spirit comes in, there's a different realm. It's called a spiritual realm. And we can live out of that place. And we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But that's a choice. And you have a choice every time. Like, you can watch the news. You can, you can see what's going on in the world. And you can go, not deny, like, yes, there's a fire. I understand that. But what's the Spirit saying? Do I need to go run and pack everything up? The Spirit can tell you before the fire is even close to you. You know what? You might need to pack a bag. Well, they say everything's going to be fine. You might need to pack a bag. Or everyone else would be saying, you better pack your bags. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you're okay. I read somewhere, he says, don't trust these. I want you to walk by faith. There's different senses in the spirit realm that are in the fleshly realm. Amen? And as a body, all of those senses come into play. If we're surrendered to the spirit. Otherwise, as a body, if we're not surrendered to the spirit, we just have an amplification of sensual. And that wasn't in my notes. That's Holy Spirit inspired, just in case you were wondering. That's an amplification. If we gather and he's not in charge, and that's what you're seeing in a lot of churches around the world. An amplification of the sensual. And not an amplification of the spiritual. And you're going to walk in darkness. We're out of time. Praise the Lord. Well, I didn't get very far. Surprise, surprise. Can you put on that really cool closing music, Rob? You're the man. Isn't that nice? Man, I didn't tell you guys you could leave. I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm closing. They're like, and we're out. The overcomers, the saints, the 24 elders, the us. Not only will share Christ's throne in the heavenly kingdom. Not just in the heavenly kingdom, guys, but also on the earth. Next week, we'll get into that, I believe. Who's the saints? Those who love his appearing. Those who are excited about his appearing. Those who are taking their prayers. They're, they're recognizing that it's our job as kingdom priests to make intercession. To speak and play and worship the Lord prophetically. Amen? To bring our prayers and supplications before the Lord. And realize that they're precious to him. And realize that they're a sweet-smelling savor to him. That we, as a kingdom priest have that responsibility not that it's an obligation but that is who you are and God has ordained you to be that and we have a responsibility to operate in the prophetic to be a voice to listen to what the spirit is speaking and to declare that to listen and receive from the word of God and to declare the word of God to people amen you can say well I'm not a prophet well here's a very prophetic word right here it's called the word of God
Was Jesus a prophet? Was he a king? Was he a priest? Yes. Did Jesus prophesy? Yes. Bring that word and declare it to the nations. And some of them are going to say, you're crazy. You're evil. You're going to smile and say, praise God. You know what? The Lord loves you. And I love you. Have you crucified your flesh? Paul said in in Galatians 2.20, I have crucified my flesh. Nevertheless, yet I live. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we're supposed to love others and give ourselves for them. I wonder if being a Christian might mean that at some point when Jesus said, follow me, we might have to lay down our life like he did for a bunch of people who hate us. I wonder if that's an option. I'm going to tell you it is. And I'm not preaching doom and gloom. Hear my heart. I'm not saying, oh, that's what it's going to come down to. Well, it's come down to that for a lot of other Christians around the world. And they counted the cost. They counted the cost. And you know what? You know what? They didn't trip and stumble along the little petty stuff that came along the way. I can guarantee you the Afghanistan church don't care what color the carpet is or if they don't have carpet. They don't care if the the black wall back there is black and they don't care if the lighting's dim. These are the cares of the American church. They don't care. They're not getting like, they've counted the cost. They said, I'm willing to lay down my life. And you know what? When, When you are in that place, the petty stuff doesn't matter. Who got president doesn't matter. My rights, if that you've given up your rights. You said, God, I'm putting all my hopes, my dreams, my plans, my future, all in your hands, and I'm going to follow you no matter where you go. And Jesus, Jesus says, follow me. Come follow me. And if you don't come that way, he's going he's gonna to say, I'm sorry. You're not ready. Amen. I hope, I hope to encourage you today. Um, I hope, you know, that's, that's not my goal in life, though. <laughs> my goal is to preach the truth that this word would transform you and that you would become more like Christ. That's my goal. Now, it should encourage you because it's not hopeless. Amen. The hope is, is that if we will surrender, we will lay down our life. He will live in, inside of us and breathe us full of his life. And in his life, there is no death, there's no corruption, there's no decay. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be kingdom priests. I thank you, Lord, that it is a precious thing for you for us to bring supplications and prayer to you. Lord, it is an honor to be able to do it. And Lord, we thank you that you hear everyone and it's a sweet-smelling savor. Lord, I thank you that you're calling us to worship you to get into quiet times, to let music play and worship you and and then be still and listen, to bring our mysteries and our questions to you and to listen. And then to be a voice, to prophetically speak truth over situations. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us a, a book that is full of your truth, and it's you. You are the word. So we can prophetically declare the word of God in power over situations. And we thank you for that, Lord. So, Lord, we just, again, lift up our brothers and sisters around the world today who are um, being forced with making a choice. 
I pray, God, that you give them a boldness, God, to not relinquish, Lord, the gift that you've given them. And, Lord, that even in the midst, I pray that just like Stephen's face began to glow with the glory of God, I pray for those who are being persecuted, that those persecutors would have nightmares for the rest of their life of the glory of God, of the love of God just being exuded out of them. And, Lord, that they would turn to know you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Church, you are dismissed. I pray that you let your light so shine before man that they will see your Father's good works and glorify him. You're dismissed.